Viking Boy by Tony Bradman. Blood, fire, vengeance. Chapter 7 The King of Kaobang. A few moments later, they arrived at the doors of the hall Gunnar had seen from the ridge, the one he'd guessed belonged to a rich lord. He was dragged through the porch, past racks of spears and into the dark interior. He caught a glimpse of long tables and benches and faces, and then he was flung down on the reed-covered floor. A fire burned in the hearth, big logs crackling and spitting. Beyond it, a huge man sat on a throne of bones, a pair of giant narwhal tusks crossing above his head. He was bold and fat, the flesh of his jowls merging into his neck as if they had melted, the mountain of his body covered in a fine red tunic. He wore a thick gold chain round his neck and gold rings on all his fingers, and he stared at Gunnar, his eyes like those of a lizard, cold and unblinking. "'What's this you brought me, Gork?' the man said, his voice so deep it seemed to come from somewhere vast in his belly. "'A gift you shouldn't have, but then you're a generous, good-hearted lad.' "'What did you say?' hissed Gunnar, glaring at Gork and trying to get on his feet. "'I'm freeborn. You can't sell me like some sort of farm animal.' We can do whatever we want with you, hissed Ivor, cuffing him round the head. The rest of the hall had fallen silent, and Gunnar sensed people gathering the shadows around him to watch what was going on. Half a dozen hard-faced warriors stood behind the throne, hands on their sword hilts. A new boy for your slave pens, Orm, said Gork. I only wish I could make you a gift of him, but alas. Najal grabbed the back of Gunnar's neck and pushed him down, grinding his face on the floor. Now, just keep quiet he said. Gunnar struggled, but his mouth was full of dirt and reeds and Najal's hands were strong. My heart bleeds for you, said Orm, studying Gork with narrow eyes. But I'm not in the market for any more slaves just now. My pens are full. I don't believe it, said Gork. You're always interested in a bargain. I'm not even going to ask you for the going rate. Just give me five gold pieces. Show me his face again, rumbled Orm, the forge behind him glowing red like the mouth of a dragon. Pieces of metal of all sizes and more tools, tongs, pokers, a shovel, leaned against the walls. You know what to do, Hogney, you miserable wretch, growled Rorick. And hurry up, I don't want to be near you for any longer than I have to. The feeling is mutual, you backstabber, growled the smith. He held up the metal with a pair of tongs, and Gunnar saw it was shaped into a ring that wasn't quite closed. So it's lucky for you this one's nearly ready. There was hatred in the exchange. But for all Gunnar cared, they could kill each other on the spot, and Orm and everyone else who worked for him. All he wanted to think about was escape. He was sure he could outrun Rurik and the guards, although he wouldn't get far with his hands tied. He strained against the binding, but sensed that he was being studied. Rurik was staring at him. Nothing to say, boy. At this point, new slaves are usually weeping for their mothers and begging to be set free. You just seem to be thinking. I've got plenty to think about, said Gunnar. What will happen to me? The pig Hogney here will fit you with a nice, shiny thrall ring to go around your neck, said Rurik. Then Orm will put you up for sale. He buys and sells slaves, and he's the richest man in town, which is why he's called the King of Kalpang, even though he doesn't have a drop of royal blood in that fat body of his. After being sold, you better just hope for a kindly master. The smith dipped the thrall ring into a bucket of water. There was a great hissing noise and clouds of white steam. He took it out again and approached Gunnar, pulling it open so he could slip around the boy's neck. Gunnar gasped as Ivor grabbed his hair and pulled his head up. It felt as if his scalp was being ripped off his skull. 
He looks better than filthy scrappings of the alleys you normally bring me, said Orm. But I'd still be mad to pay more than two gold pieces. Now it's my heart that's bleeding, said Gork. I'll settle for four. Three, and that's my final offer. Take it or leave it. Done. You're a hard man, Orm, but a fair one. Orm snorted like a walrus. Pay him, Rorik, he said. The jowl let go of Gunner. One of the men behind Orm stepped forward and counted coins into Gork's hand. So long, Gunner, said Gork. We wish you happiness in your new home, wherever that may be, of course. They strolled away, and the others in the hall drifted back to what they had been doing. Put our new purchase in the pens, Rurik, said Orm. You're not putting me in any slave pen, Gunner yelled. I'm no thrall. Oh, but you are, boy, growled Orm. He smiled, his white teeth glinting in the firelight. You've been bought and paid for. Gunner started to protest again, but Rurik pulled him to his feet. The big man had hair the colour of straw, but his beard was brown and his eyes were greeny grey, reminding Gunnar strangely of mothers. Give it up, or Orm will make me beat you, said Rurik. There's something neither you nor I will enjoy. There was a gentleness in the big man's voice, and sense in what he had said too. So Gunnar did as he was told, and let himself be led out of the hall. He needed to think, to work out what to do, but then they entered a courtyard and Gunnar saw something that soon had him dragging his feet. A line of enclosures made of wooden stakes lashed together, like animal pens but for people instead. Those packed into the pens were young and old, tall and short, fair or dark-skinned, but all of them were quiet, expressions of despair or blankness on their faces. Somehow the silence made it worse. Gunnar felt his soul start to shrivel, and wondered how long it would be before he looked the same. Rurik dragged him across the courtyard, past some guards standing round a brazier, its, fa- its flames flapping in the cold wind. Gunnar expected to be put straight into the pens, but Rurik led him towards a smithy in the far corner. He wore a leather apron and was banging away with a heavy hammer at a rod of white hot metal, his huge arms and shoulders shining with sweat. Rurik pushed Gunnar inside and then stooped to follow him through the wide entrance. The stifling heat hit Gunnar like a blow. A dark, sour-faced man was standing at a big anvil. Gunnar had a feeling this was probably his last chance. When are you going to untie my wrists? He asked Rurik. I can't feel my hands anymore. Rurik smiled and shrugged. We can't have that now, can we? He said. He unsheathed the dagger on his belt and cut through the bindings. As soon as Gunnar's hands were free, he stepped over to the wall and grabbed the shovel. He swung it round by the shaft and smashed the flat of the wide blade into the smith's face. There was a dull clang and the crunching noise of bone breaking and Hogni staggered back, toppling over the anvil, crashing down behind it into a terrific clattering of tools and thrall rings. Gunnar threw the shovel aside and dashed out of the smithy, listening for the clamour of pursuit. But all he could hear was the sound of Rurik roaring with laughter.